0: got radio working fine. copy Yeah, mate. Right, we're in uh HQ of corporate storytime. We're starting a bit unconventionally today. I think I assume you got me an email. We
1: did Now we please
0: did. introduce yourselves as full name and role in the company as if you were an ingredient on an antipasto plate.
2: God. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Um, Nicola Gazatti, and I'm founder and administration manager here at Corporate Storytime. And in terms of a antipasto plate ingredient, I think I'm probably the bread because I end up on everything. Everything ends up on me. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think I'm yeah the bread, the good quality japata that you <laughs> put on an antipasto I plate. You, I reckon you're a
3: cracker. Yeah, I reckon you're yeah, a and cracker. big
2: crackers too. <laughs>
3: I'll go next. My name's Lucas Robinson, um, uh, co-founder with Nicola and managing director of Corporate Storytime. Uh, I'm going to go for sardine, All right? So, it makes a um, an enduring and bold first impression. Um, it's got the capacity to be a little bit salty from time to time and uh, famously uh, and forever linked to Fremantle. Um <laughs> hashtag flag mantle <laughs> <laughs> i must say at, at, at this point um nicola's uh, husband carlo is actually involved in the fremantle sardine industry and they're and they're very very good for you as well sardines very Extremely healthy yeah that is a definitive yeah.
0: answer
1: yeah <laughs> steve i the sardine <laughs> unbelievable um my name steve maloney uh, i feel privileged to be a part of corporate story time um my antipasto. uh Condiment is artichoke. Lots of layers and all heart.
2: (laughs) We gave to some thought, Matt. That's bloody good,
0: ever. I'll I'll say, yeah, Matt Michael from Life of Mine, I feel on the grapes here for appearance, but essentially good for (laughs) fuck all.
3: (laughs) That's the quince paste, isn't it?
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh thanks very much for having me. Uh and appreciate you just reaching out. What better what better way to start. Look we'll give the spiel about uh what corporate story time is all about. Uh what you do, the point of differences and I guess after chatting to you yesterday why you started in terms of I guess protecting companies from as you said, money falling into the wrong hands. So, where would you like to start? How did it all start, corporate story time? It started- Better get the founders to talk about this, right people <laughs> yeah. to have in the room.
3: Well, it started after I woke up one morning in my early to mid-40s, had been uh, on a breaking desk um, for the majority of the time. That was at um, Euros Securities, now known as Euros Hartleys, and thought to myself- um, you know, I I'd been doing it since I was sort of twenty one and I thought to myself, if I don't try something new and take a chance and actually get out there and see what else I'm capable of doing, um, I'll you know, by the time I'm fifty I'll I'll probably, you know, be basically stuck in this role and, and, and whilst it was a, a great career and very um, you know, enjoyable ride, uh, and met some fantastic people and had a lot of fun and, you know, it was um I suppose, uh, a good living to walk away from. Um, I kind of felt I needed a, a, an itch to scratch um, and to see what else might be out there, you know, career-wise. So, um, sort of probably just felt a little bit too comfortable, had, had certainly gone as far as I could internally within that organisation, um, sort of reached a glass ceiling, I suppose, you know, um, it was never going to be, you know, the, the person to, to run the group and probably didn't want to anyway. So, I looked around and sort of thought, what else can I do to sort of transfer these skills um, that I've sort of developed trying to promote and persuade investors to have a look at small to medium-sized public companies, ASX-listed companies, which is where, you know, Euros's, um sweet spot, you know, was and still is. Um, and sort of had a look at the IR space, um, there, it's a it's a it's still a cottage industry, really you know, lots of small players um, and sort of had a look and and, and observed that a lot of them, and, and a lot of them do a really good job uh, at this, but, that, you know, they're, they're people with copywriting or journalism backgrounds, um, good at document production, good at writing, um, but probably less um, experienced in equities markets. So I sort of thought, well, maybe we can... We can just transfer that skill set of of pitching investment ideas to people, and instead of it, you know, it being a pitch to speculators, you know, my clients that were interested in opportunities in that space, perhaps to reposition the whole narrative to um, to use the 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 uh, um, sort of experience that that I had, you know, seeing public companies come in and out the door. Um, take the best bits of those public company presenters, the, 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 the bits that actually um, you know, get people to sit up and take notice of the, of the story that they're trying to um, promote and, and use those sort of understandings of what the sort of key messages need to be to engage investors, um, to engage brokers, um, to, to try and introduce um, these company stories that we're representing to appropriate audiences. So, I'd imagine after being in the, the broking industry for that
0: long, your investing and money network would have been bloody huge across, yeah, the, yeah, across Australia, get, internationally as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that, 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 was, that was my reason for being, was basically trying to find people to invest in these companies and, you know, get out their checkbooks and actually put their hard earned in, into some of these opportunities. So yeah, you're always sort of yeah out there trying to make new connections in the investing world, but you're also making connections in the public company executive space, you know, because these these companies are coming in the door looking for you to help them, you know, fund their next opportunity or fund their next exploration program or, you know, help them build whatever it is that they're looking to, to um, achieve, so. Them and the other thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 was, that was, you know, they've been the useful connections, you know. Um, when we walk around West Perth or, you know, the terrace, um, you know, we, we know people because they've, they've come and, you know, and, and I'm not just talking myself. Obviously, Steve's got a very similar background, which I'll let him explain in time. But, you know, we, we um, you know, have developed those relationships on the investor side and we've developed the relationships on the corporate side as well. And that's sort of something I think is a bit unique with, um, you know, the the sort of peer group of investor relations consultants that we see sort of operating around our space. So, so Nicola,
0: how did you get roped into this uh, founding founding role? Oh, the, I think the-
2: roped in is probably a very good way to describe it. <laughs> uh, no, Lucas and I are very good friends. Um, we've been, sat on committees together for our kids at a footy club, and um, he came to me and said, "Look, I've got this business idea," and. I need someone I can trust and I need someone to give me a hand with the technical side of things and a bit of attention to detail. And it was one of those moments in life where you just go, I think I'm gonna say yes, so I did. And, um, on the
0: source at a post footy match or something. That's n- usually when these ideas come up. I was standing up, eh? in the
2: middle of Target buying underwear at the time, so it was um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. was one of those moments where I just thought, you know, I,
3: I wasn't standing next <laughs> to that. No, it was, no, no, no. It was uh, yeah, and um, you know, it was on I had, the phone.
2: <laughs> and like Lucas walked away from a fairly good paying job and something I'd would done for twenty five years, but probably in the same vein, you know, I just thought to myself, I don't know if I want to be doing the same job when I'm when I'm 50 and, you know, it's time to sort of grow and take hold of a new opportunity and that's what I did and I must say the last couple of years have been a, uh, a learning curve and there have been times where I felt like my brain was going to explode but it's um, been an interesting ride and I've really enjoyed getting to know this side of things in life because, you know, the corporate world was not my world um, but it's certainly been uh, an a time when yeah i've learned and grown as a person and i uh, really enjoyed working with lucas and i really enjoy working with steve so it's a great work environment so um yeah i've expanded my knowledge which is what i you know what we all want to do right
0: and i will say like good coffee around the corner and free parking across the road yeah it's like, not bad well you don't know if it's
1: free yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, <is> <laughs> three, it says
0: too. three hours or do they bloody they don't mind stinging you do they you um, may get
1: uh, a little surprise
0: oh jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I'll draw a bit of attention to myself with the car I dropped.
2: Might <laughs> <laughs> <Martin>, be why then. <laughs> oh,
0: so, Steve, you're a pretty similar background, breaking background
1: yep. side sort of things, mate. When did you come on board? Uh, I came on board, we'll check the files, uh, about November, November 2020. November um, 2020? When Lucas and I started having a conversation. Um, our, I know Nicola was at Target. Um, Lucas and I were on the uh, 11th fairway of Lake Carran Country Club <laughs> where. <laughs> We'd crossed paths a lot through friends and through the industry and um, Lucas told me at that point that he'd left Euros, which I was quite surprised with and and he shared that he was uh, starting up a new business and straight away it resonated that uh, that line of work of um, reconnecting with uh, companies and helping them flourish and um, stand out was something I said I'd love to hear more about it and I think we then had a coffee at Little Pantry and then had a uh, another interview with Nicola on the kitchen table of Lucas's residence, which I think was head office yeah. at the time.
3: It was actually the, uh, the lounge room that was HQ. Was, <laughs> yeah. I think we were around we're the kitchen the table, room. which was a boardroom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but um, meeting them both, it just sort of uh, resonated with my values and um, being involved in something that I could see was going to be bigger and adding value uh, really. Drew me to it. And yeah, it was a lot of different feelings starting up a, or being involved in a small business where I've come from a large organisation, being Macquarie Bank, where it was 20 years of, um, you know, a, a lot of great experiences, made a lot of great friends and so forth. and uh, But totally different, totally different. So I'm very much a value based person and love friendships and love people, but love seeing the underlying, you know, people flourishing companies and through our experiences we've seen lots of companies do really well and it's always underpinned by a strong leadership or a strong business model and so forth, but then seen some what thought were really great companies not perform that well because of various other reasons, be it egos, be it loss of drive or loss of focus and so forth. So. Being a part of that and being a um, in a collaborative way, working with companies and using those experiences and navigating them to uh, what they want to achieve is, yeah, very fulfilling. Um, and we've made some great friendships along the way with the companies we uh, are involved in. So even though we've got that equities experience, I, I believe our point of difference is that we really care. Um, and I'm not saying others don't, but we care in a way that we want to see our clients really succeed And um, yeah, and we're doing that.
0: With when you're all sounds like was a pretty common theme when the three of you's finished up to pursue this path was everyone like what the hell like it sounds like you're all in very good positions and it was everyone like what the hell are you doing like giving away sounds like you're giving away a bit of coin and and everything like that was that the general vibe around your I guess your colleagues and yeah yeah Yeah. i mean look they understood the risk you're taking that's right
3: i mean for me i I was um about to uh, go through a merger with um a a larger larger group so you know it was going to go from the 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 desk that i was on at euros was was pretty small we'd worked with each other for a long time there was about um 15 of us or something like that on the um on the uh, private client desk as it was we were merging with a group that had about 50 Um, So, we were going to be going into a a different organization, and there's a lot of, you know, egos and all that sort of animal instincts that you get, you know, when you put these, you know, people in a room together. And I considered that I just didn't have the energy for it. Um, Yeah, it was walking away from a perfectly good living Mm. at a time when, you know, you've got, Mortgages and school fees, and you know, plenty of financial responsibilities. Um, I suppose that throwing yourself in the deep end like that, you know, just gives you the perfect motivation to, you know, try and make a success of things in a, in a, in a in well, you know, you got as it, it <laughs> you've never got a choice. <laughs> I think,
1: um, it's pertinent, so it takes courage to step away. And it took yeah. a while for me, and hearing your. Then, chair, looks. It takes a lot of courage to step away from an environment that you, you know, that income's coming and so forth, and but comfortable I, with everyone. You know, yeah. you know
0: everyone. So easy. I think it also
1: yeah. uh, resonates who we are, and you know, like we understand our clients are, are embarking on a, a journey, and it takes courage to risk themselves, and you know, they they got to make decisions that could go either way, and to have that courage, and but being there to just. Be supportive of what they are doing. I think, so uh, you know, that again, that area we we know that that's that's happening. Yep. Um, so we can empathise or we can provide advice where they want and so forth. So so yeah, we've got the investor relations part, which is the you know ensure that people hear about the company. But it's it's those other soft touches where we can add a lot.
0: What about what the hubby say when you uh, broke the news, (laughs) Nick?
2: Well, he had just changed his career as well, so we were both in a bit of state of flux at that point. But um, it was again, he just said, "You know, what have you got to lose at this point? I, you know, if you know, if it all gone pear shaped, I, you know, there was plenty of work out there for me to do, regardless." But I took a leap of faith, and I had faith in Lucas. I knew that he was um, established in his relationships that he'd gained over his 25 years in broking and i had faith that he um had gone through the process in his mind about where he wanted the business to go and he had a clear vision of what he wanted to achieve and i was uh more than happy to go along for the ride with him Um, but for me to step away from a 25 year career in environmental health um I'd done everything that I needed to do in that career I, I, and like that I had great friends, I had great work environment, I'd made some great relationships and it was sad to walk away from them but having said that, I've grown as a person on this side but also made some amazing relationships and friendships on this side too. So, you know, every opportunity in life gives you, gives you gifts and I think this is a total gift that I've received in the last two years which is amazing.
0: And um, um, what… Did the landscape look like that you were looking to enter into the the investor relations side of things? Was it a a saturated environment? Was there opportunities for a new player to come in? How did how did that look? I think we've been incredibly lucky.
3: I mean, it's like I said before, I I consider it to be a cottage industry, and that is there's lots of small, fractured sort of groups. Mm. When I say fractured, there's small groups um, doing similar sort of things slightly sort of you know bespoke models so which make you know and and staffed by people with slightly different skill sets but there's not that sort of 10 ton gorilla sort of you know really big outfit that you 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 you, you butt heads against that's just got all of the financial and um market sort of power um so I think that there was always um an you know an opportunity for a niche player to come in and establish a foothold but you know we've been really lucky we've You know, we've entered, you know, um, the market in a period where, you know, we we stepped away during, you know, um, the middle of 2020. You know, this business sort of really kicked off exactly two years ago, August 2020. You know, we were just coming out of lockdown, smack bang in the middle of COVID. We really had no idea where financial markets were headed. As it turns out, you know, there's probably, you know, it's probably an unprecedented period of growth in the number of, small ASX listed companies that have been popping up, you know, but certainly over the course of 2021, there was, you know, it felt like there was dozens coming, you know, coming to market and IPOing, you know, every month. So, you know, there's been lots of new companies created. There's been, you know, all of these companies want to get their stories heard above the white noise, which is getting harder and harder as the, you know as there's you know more companies populating the space. So, we've been incredibly lucky that those companies have had access to capital and because there's more of them, there's more, there's more to go around the, the competitive landscape in terms of, you know, sharing our clients and not cutting each other's throats to win the work off one another. Now, that, that is likely to change at some point. You know, one thing that Steve and I have learned mm. over a long period of time is that cycles exist and small companies that have got, you know, that are in a, that pre-revenue stage that are relying on equities markets to keep their activities going, at some point will find that the cycle works against them and they need to tighten their belts. Um, so, and, and, and some of them will fall by the wayside and that sort of expansion in the number of companies, there they will be at a contraction at some point. And some of them will you know, either you know, fail and call in the voluntary administrators or you know, change tact and become something else entirely um, or go through long periods in suspension or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, we've, we've sort of c- come into a landscape where there's lots of players that are not much bigger than us. Um, and I suppose, you know, who knows, maybe there is opportunity for corporate consolidation in this space down the track. You know, but um, for the time being, um, you know, we've been able to, you know, build a substantial business in a short period of time. Which has probably taken us all by surprise in terms of the magnitude of the of this kind of um, opportunity <laughs> that's fallen our laps.
0: With when we've got a few, um, we're going to share some, I guess, stories of how it can go wrong with there with bad investor <laughs> relations. But before we get into it, want to know when you did start? Did you have any clients? Did you were you literally going in blind? Like did you? So, right, we've got to establish before we get them or (laughs) was there anything- We We tried,
3: we tried, we actually did- we actually did surreptitiously sort of go and approach a few companies to say, you know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. But is
0: it Uh, hard, because this is what I'm experiencing as well, is it hard to try and sell something that doesn't exist yet? in a way oh yeah (laughs) yeah
3: and mate we are so grateful for the companies that took a chance on us early early doors even those you know there's there's the the, the first company that that gave me a chance um boss energy um you know they they're no longer a client but duncan really took me in duncan crabe the managing director really took me in under his wing um you know allowed me to uh, base myself in his offices um and and really you know and 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 i am very grateful to duncan for 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 being patient with me and allowing me to learn on the on the you know nicola and i um learn the role basically on the go um and we you know have learned an enormous amount about what we didn't know before Mm. we kicked this whole thing off Mm. and a lot of this is you know is is about that sort of you know digital communications piece that Steve and I, particularly, were totally unfamiliar with him I and mean, I'd never been a person that's used social media
1: before. And- I still remember my first tweet. <laughs> it's still at the like top a, of the like page too, can I it? put this out there? <laughs> <laughs> you can put whatever you like, mate. So yeah, that's the concept. <laughs> we felt like dinosaurs, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, what was there any, you said that, yeah, pretty rapid rapid growth with the whole thing. But was early stages, was there ever any, um, I guess, personal doubt thinking, uh, oh, shit, I don't know if this is going to work? Or was it I pretty smooth sailing from, from the start? Like when
1: I joined, it invigorated me again in the sense of going back to when first starting out as a, a broker. Mm-hmm. I remember being in Perth and not having a client, let alone did I know many people because I came over from Melbourne and I took the risk or that leap forward where you weren't given a salary and you had to... Build oh, your right. client base. Um, yeah. This is going back to nineteen ninety eight, and it was it was frightening but exciting, and you know you you just had to make contact, ring people, and it was sort of a, a long pathway, but it became really fulfilling. And I had those same experiences when I started with my first client and first tweet, first LinkedIn post, and first announcement, and you know getting it, the operating rhythm all. You know, getting phone calls from Nick and saying, Well, can we do this the night before instead of 6 a.m. in the morning before and three hour time difference? And it was like, Yeah, well, that makes sense. So yeah. you, you're learning as you're going, but it's exciting because it's that, Oh, I'm building something again. You know, I'm developing a brand and building a business and being a part of that. It's, it's quite fulfilling.
3: Yeah. But I, I think self doubt is an important, <laughs> is an important. Um, tool to yeah. help you, you yeah. know, to, to keep you on your toes and to make sure that you are providing, you know, a service that that is satisfying your customer. So um, it's
1: always a good check.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's there's nothing wrong with doubt, and certainly there were times when I I doubted um, whether or not this business would would succeed. Um, and and you know, you've got to keep you know reassessing your worth and your value proposition um, to make sure that. You know the um the service and the advice that you're providing remains relevant and i'm always worried you know the things that keep me up at night are, are we doing enough mm. for this client mm. to to keep them engaged we don't have long commitments for our clients i mean they they, they can really give us the flick anytime mm. they want to if they don't feel that they're getting value for money and i think that that keeps us honest
0: yeah so no yeah because so a lot of people have lot they'll have 12 month contracts and everything don't they yeah yep um with the horror stories <laughs> the <you're> 25 <laughs> years or combined over 50 years in broking um has there been it's not all smooth sailing for companies you said there's been good companies that have fallen by the wayside from either you know bad bd money going wrong yada 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 yeah um we won't give away specific companies, but and there, as you said, your um, I guess your point of difference is that breaking background to I said guide companies away from that sort of th- those things going bad. What what are some examples in history where this has happened?
3: Yeah, and, I mean, how, I suppose e- really, and how easy can it? A happen? lot of a lot of people, you know, think about you know the, some of those disasters where companies have you know um, gone down the tubes and you know shareholders have you know been really damaged financially by um uh you know corporate failures and you know you think of you know things like enron or hmm. um or even i, mean, I know, suppose I we actually- can mention enron yeah or you know they, those are those are corporate <laughs> frauds another one that i, I read a book a, a couple of years ago about a company called theranos um called bad blood which basically they they, they were the, the company's um, executives and officers were making total misrepresentations. So they were deceptive. Now, very few um, company failures are actually as a result of some sort of grand fraud. They're usually as a result of incompetence and a lack of due diligence hmm. and a lack of, of proper understanding of, 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 of the assets that the company's got in charge of. So, you know there's there's obviously a, a fairly recent case where you know a company that in the mining sector in western australia has raised 60 million dollars one month and the following month it's you know um, liquidation called it a voluntary administrators yeah. right that that's 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 what happened um uh, and, you know we don't need to necessarily mention the company but it's on the everyone record everyone knows who they are yeah yeah so i mean the, the 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 people that have invested in those in in that company either have been poorly advised or haven't done their own homework and um, you know the the reality is is if if the um, the people that are involved in that investment side have properly done the work to do the due diligence to assess whether or not this is an appropriate thing to be you know backing up the truck and you know tipping 60 million bucks into that if they, if they've properly done the due diligence they, they probably would have walked Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what it comes down to. And so what we want to be able to do is to you know, find companies that we feel as if we can persuasively um, you know, uh, tell their stories to an investor group. And to do that, we've got to be passionate about them. And we want to back in good people that have got you know, track records or have got the, the required level of technical expertise and enthusiasm. To take these companies all the way through to a you know positive outcome for their shareholders um, yeah and and we do due diligence you know we make sure that we're aligning ourselves to companies and to company executives that we can be proud to attach our name to
0: is that is that a bit of a I guess what would you call I don't know if you call it an ethical thing or a, a difficult thing when you're in a business of uh, you've got a small business? And you're starting out, and you've got you'd have a lot of companies approaching you. But as I said, you want to be promoting a story and believing the story. Um, If if you promote a bad story and it goes to shit, and you're the investor relations, that can damage your whole brand, can't it? It's a big risk.
3: But look, you know, you need to make sure that you're faithfully representing the company. So if Mm -hmm. it's a grassroots exploration mineral exploration company, you can't make it out to be, you know, BHP. Or mm. you, know, you know something that's on the cusp of you know a, a five million ounce gold discovery or something. It is what it is. Mm. Explain the the proposition as it stands today. And as I heard Steve talking this morning before you arrived to a client of his, make sure that the expectations that these companies set for themselves and for you know put, put out there to the market and their shareholders mm. are achievable mm. and and more than achievable are probably under under. Um, um what is it called under under promising, promising, and over under
0: delivering. promising. Yeah. 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 yeah is there do many companies not have any investor relations uh yeah i think there's a, a lot of them a lot of them just yeah. run it by themselves
1: yeah
0: yeah yep. what's the i guess what's the pros and cons risk to that obviously cheaper
1: well you're only getting one i suppose one of the the cons is you're only getting one view and it's your own, and sometimes we can drink our own bathwater and think we're a lot better than what we really are or um, the business is performing better. Um, so it's not subjective or objective. Uh, so I think that's where um, if you do have an investor relations group you, and in particular corporate story time, we, we're, we're quite open and saying that's just not going to work. So we need to frame it up. How it should be and how it's going to be, um, instead of trying to, you know, put lipstick on a pig. In the sense, um, I suppose we can say that on this podcast, can we? Oh, you can say a lot worse than that if you want. (laughs) But yeah, so so, but some people may have that experience. They may have been in those roles previously within a group, and they've now progressed to being the MD or CEO of the company. So they they might even have it internally, their own operations. But um, yeah.
3: I mean, what I find, I mean, certainly, West Australian small public companies, as I think I, we, we talked about um, the other day, that you know, they've got small executive teams, so they need to drag in consultants. You know, they need to drag in their their um, financial reporting. Mm. You know capabilities. It's they like need renewable power,
0: isn't it? You need the base load like yeah. to, to fill the fill the gap. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you, you allow done. that
3: executive who might be, you know, a technical person with a geological background or a mining engineering background or whatever, to apply their skill set to where they can properly add value to that company. And then you know bring in the other experts and they might be, yeah, like I say, the, the legal experts or company secretary, whatever, and let the as Ross Lyon used to say, "Let
1: the copper do the cobblers. mantle, <laughs> Hashtag flag mantle. <laughs> um, but it's also you talk about horror stories. Some of the horror stories have been where the leader or the CEO has wanted to do everything and not allow those mm. other people to bring their skill sets to contribute to the overall uh, objective um, of the company. And once they get controlling, it can lead to you know, some disastrous outcomes. Yeah, is, and
0: like does do investor relations teams advise on leadership styles as, as well or is it more that's that's dipping you, getting oh, look, a bit it, too nosy I suppose
1: into it, it? It probably is <laughs> getting too nosy, but it depends on the relationship you've got. I know with some of my clients, I catch up with them weekly and they may find I'm a, a sounding board that they can share some challenges. Like mm-hmm. the question was before, what keeps you awake at night? is always a great question to ask companies, you know, or the management. And so I don't want to hear all the good stuff, but what's what keeps you awake? What's your challenges? And for them to be able to talk to someone, I find that's a great attribute that we, we can do. Yep. Offer.
3: I think I think, um, you know, Steve and I are having a bit of grey hair and being around, you know, we <laughs> <laughs>
1: Looking (laughs) experienced. Thankfully, (laughs) there's no videos, Lucas, (laughs) so we don't have to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
3: Mercifully, this was only an audio recording. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, we, and we do actually write it into our proposals. Like, we're we're, we're there for strategic advice, you know, so far as we can provide it, given Mm. our experiences corporately. Yeah. So, we're not, we we don't, um, we don't get involved in capital raisings or transactions or anything like that. But if people want to know our honest opinion about, you know, what can be improved with this company and it's not necessarily, you know, um, compartmentalised to the IR piece, we're happy to provide our, our views, you know. However, they may be received.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Nick uh, Suggested so changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick I gonna actually call you the bread, but I'll call you the Chibata. How have you seen the I guess the benefit of the whole social media landscape podcast everything because you're having a dabble in everything and this we likes, are. your cup of tea is this um,
2: that side of whether the whether it's
0: is- a cup of tea or they said so you've got to sort this shit out. How <laughs> uh, have you seen the I guess the power of all that with what you're trying to do with spreading stories and everything? Has it been beneficial to date or are you scratching the surface?
2: Yeah, look and Lucas and I talk about it with clients quite often and a lot of the I suppose CEOs, MDs may be a technical background so they mm. may not see the value in social media. But, you know, it is a way for retail investors to engage with companies. So, we attempt to keep their news flow constant. So, you know, if someone's engaging with a company that they see their news flow coming through regularly. Um, And we try and make it as engaging as possible. So, you know, for us, it's, we try and be a bit more bespoke, I guess, with our social media in that it's created... You know, for our companies individually. We don't sort of, ha- you know, all of them have a corporate story time feel, but they are created, you know, individually for our companies. And I think, you know, in the world that we live in today, it's a way of communication. And, mm the the generation that's coming through now that's how they communicate through their social media and whether it be through twitter you know um instagram even or facebook for the oldies um (laughs) it's a way of getting that information out there promptly effectively and you know it's a a good way of putting out a story um in a synced manner um you know we'll create QA video for a client and it's a good way of putting a face to a name that sits on the bottom of the announcement. Um, in another way, they may not be able to engage with an MD. You know, might not be able to get them on the phone, but they've got them visually, and their questions are answered.
0: Isn't it funny to think that this stuff didn't exist ten years ago? It's like how did, twenty years ago. How how did everyone operate in this? Well, <laughs> no, I'm sure as you said, I'm sure everyone operated just fine, but it must have been a lot different to mm-hmm. you know get your well, business, remember, get a business name out there. Yeah. Steve <laughs> would remember
3: when there was someone that actually had to run the company announcement, mm. you know, the, the physical Physi- copy, yeah. printed copy, down to the stock exchange.
0: Really? For yeah. it to be lodged. Yeah. I
1: remember my first job in 1987 at JB Weir in Melbourne, and I was only recruited because I was pretty quick. <laughs> and my job in the mornings was to run the research before the market opened at 10 a.m. Yeah. So we had to get it to ev- all the um, funds that um, clients um, that were entitled to get the research because of the amount of brokerage they wrote. We would be, me, myself, um, uh, a friend, the Birdman, yeah, and uh, another mate, um, Chris McCullough and Dan Drafreda, we would run the streets of Melbourne,
3: with in you. your Adidas Rome's, or
1: it, it- <laughs> at that time I was running, uh, rocking a pair of KT twenty sixes. <laughs> not the voice <volley>. in, <laughs> in my man to man suit um, that I could only afford on a. Um, <laughs> but we'd have to run the streets, Collins Street, Burke Street, and we yeah. ha- we all got a map of clients that we'd have to drop the research off, and we were like taught that if it's not there by a certain time, the head of insurance. Uh, yeah, absolutely got lambasted by a head of broking or whatever because they didn't get their research and they didn't get brokerage on the day. And then come the evening, we had to bank our checks because everything had to be banked. So it'd be a sprint down to NAB Mm. before four o'clock with five million dollars worth of checks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're just sprinting.
3: It's not the most efficient way to do business, is it? <laughs> it? And now it's it shit Anyone <laughs>
1: can get research from anyone. You know, it's no longer the commodity that it once was. It was and this was printed, stapled, yeah. delivered in an envelope to Lucas Robinson. But
3: would it have been printed in the office or was there like a print shop down the street that would
1: have produced printing it? Printing at the basement. There was a printing room down the right. basement with these big yeah. printers and so forth, photocopies. And there was a role there that just had to print yeah. that out. Yeah. And come reporting season, it was a couple of inches thick, and you had to go the heavy-duty staple.
0: Well, I always say, so busy now. Then everything should be easier, but we're still busy. I well, can't. This is what just, I can't Just as Luca understand. said,
1: there's so many more companies listed on the ASX yeah. now, and um, I
3: suppose we consume more. Yeah. You know, we consume yeah. more information, yeah. and which is a good thing because it means that um, you know your investment decisions are, you know, are based on. You know, a, a, a lot of a lot of information, a lot of analysis, and you know, you've only got yourself to blame if you fuck it up. Yeah, <laughs> 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 well, well,
0: bloody, we'll, we'll park up and have this bloody actual physical Andy Pasto plate now. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks nice. very much for a uh, good little intro, yarn. I think.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully great, plenty
0: Matt. more to come. No, mate, absolutely Sorry for not referring to the question list that doesn't exist But It's
2: always best I'm not,
0: after a couple hundred episodes I'm not changing So (laughs) (laughs) it seems to work No, No, no. thanks very much for having me, it was bloody good Thanks, Matt Beautiful
2: Thanks, Matt